Welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. And here's the queen herself, registered dietitian Heather Klug. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. I'm Heather Klug, registered dietitian with the Karen Yance Women's Cardiac Awareness Center. With me today, as usual, is Bethany DeBrew Adams, our health communications coordinator. Welcome, Bethany. Thank you, Heather. I always imagine a little group of people clapping for me. (laughs) Hello, everyone. So I'm going to take the reins Mm -hmm. right off the bat here. So before we get started, I would like to point out that we're going to be having a frank discussion about sexual assault and its impact on women's lives and their heart health. And this can be a very sensitive topic. We are aware of that. And we want to make sure all of you are aware that it could be triggering to some of you out there. Mm-hmm. So just so you know, if you if you are triggered by such things, maybe pause this, listen to it at a different time. Be a little sensitive. Take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, with that said, let's get started. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and violence against women, unfortunately, has been very much in the news. Yes. I say lately, but like, let's be Mm -hmm. real. It's kind of always there. Yeah. We tend to know a lot about the trauma of sexual violence and sexual harassment in the immediate sense. You know, what happens during an attack, what happens right after. But the long-term effects might be surprising to a lot of people out there, especially since they're not only mental health issues, but physical ones as well, and not just the bruises and things that you think about. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be getting into those a little later in the show, along with strategies for, you know, not only coping with sexual assault, but getting the help you need so you can thrive. Yes. All right, how about we start with talking about the different types of sexual assaults? Great place to start. All right. The term sexual assault refers to sexual contact or behavior that occurs without explicit consent of the victim. It is a broad term that covers a variety of acts. This breakdown of acts is largely done for legal purposes Mm -hmm. and includes the following. So first is sexual harassment. This occurs when a perpetrator initiates unwelcome sexual advances, requests sexual favors, or commits some other form of inappropriate sexual conduct toward another person. This can also include sexual abuse perpetrated by someone in a position of authority, like a boss, a teacher, doctor, so on. The intent of the perpetrator does not matter if the behavior makes the victim feel threatened or uncomfortable. Right. That's very important. It is. because, And I feel like we had to mention that because, that's especially what, with, with some of the news stories lately. Yeah, that's all we hear. Well, my intent wasn't to make the person feel blah, blah, blah. Right. And I'm kind of, we've talked about, you and I have talked about Which from this. what you actually did. Right. And we've <laughs> talked about... How do you think that's supposed to make somebody feel? If if you're my boss and you come up to me and you put your hands on my face. And try to kiss and me. And try to kiss me. Well, I'm going to think that's probably pretty not appropriate. Right. I don't know where the gray area is that you think exists, but that's or, pretty black and white Or if you're me. standing and talking to me and holding my arm and stroking my forearm... 
Like, that's not appropriate. I'm sorry. Like, right. who does that? Right. You have, don't think anything's wrong with that? That's right. weird. Yeah. Like, having you don't have a right to touch me. <laughs> having discussions about what type of underwear I might be wearing under my clothes. That's also not appropriate. Not right. for you to have with me and not for you to have with somebody else in the office. There's so many other conversations to have, so. Yeah. We right? could go on, that, on about that all day. All right, the next term to talk about is sexual assault. This refers to a physical act of sexual violence. Although it is often used interchangeably with the term rape, it is important to note that while all rape is sexual assault, not all sexual assault is rape. Laws vary from state to state as to what the legal definition of sexual assault includes. But here in Wisconsin, it means sexual intercourse or sexual contact without consent. And consent is defined as words or overt actions by a person who is competent to give consent, indicating a freely given agreement to have sexual intercourse or sexual contact. Right. Well, that sounds like a lot of legal mumbo-jumbo. Yeah. So the first thing that you mentioned, you know, Laws vary from state to state. Mm -hmm. So here in Wisconsin, I should point out, the law does not use the term rape at all. So sexual assault is instead broken down into four categories, with obviously first degree being the most serious, and thusly it carries the most severe penalties, Mm -hmm. to fourth degree, which is a misdemeanor, and it carries the lightest sentence. Yeah. So generally speaking, criminal penalties vary depending on how much force or violence is used, whether weapons are displayed, or other aggravating factors, which can include the age of the victim. Mm. So speaking as somebody who's gone through sexual assault herself, Mm -hmm. um, reading these definitions Mm. makes me a little annoyed (laughs) because they do seem very arbitrary. Mm. You know, obviously they're they're done by lawyers. So it's done, I'm sure there's a reason. I'm not a lawyer, obviously. But they're done in a way to make sure that they can prosecute people who deserve to be prosecuted in the most effective way. So I I understand that, but they are a little annoying to read. Yeah. And the main thing to take away is just that if something were to happen to you in a different state, the laws there could be very different than what they are here Mm. in Wisconsin, which is strange. Yeah. But it seems like that should be standardized. But right. That's good to know that it is different from yeah. state to state. All right. The next term is rape. And this is most often used as a legal definition to specifically include penetration without consent. Again, different states can have differing definitions of rape. Right. Or not in there at all. Right. As in the case of our state. <laughs> yeah. All right. And the last term is sexual abuse. This most commonly refers to a pattern of abusive sexual behaviors often perpetrated by a person in a position of trust and or authority. Right. And that's the term we often hear most associated with children. Yeah. Childhood sexual abuse, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. So just to have some statistics about sexual assault, I don't think these will be very surprising to people because... Sexual assault has some of the most grim statistics out there. Every 73 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted, and that includes both cis and transgender women and men. 
So just That's really kind. That one did shock me. Yeah. Like I knew it happened a lot. I didn't know it was that frequently. A yeah. Little, a minute and 13 seconds. Yeah. That's. It's awful. That is awful. So if we break that down a little bit, one in three women are survivors of sexual violence. One in four men are survivors of sexual violence. Hmm. And one in two trans people are survivors of sexual violence. Wow. Yeah, which that's, is really... That's 50%. That's half. half. That's half wow. of your community. It makes yeah. you physically ill. Three out of four assaults go unreported. That one does not shock me No, at all. that is a statistic that is out there, and it just doesn't seem to change. It usually happens where there aren't any witnesses, right? Right. So people feel like even if it happens to them, they're less likely to go and report it because often women aren't believed. Right. And and some men too. Right. Oh, especially men. Yeah. But when women go in, it's, you know, even when they're getting in, you know, asked questions by police officers. Yes. You know, they want proof or. Right. And we talk about. go into what were you wearing and all these kind of things. We talk about rape culture in this country and that's Mm -hmm. part of it. The victim blaming, the victim shaming. Mm -hmm. The other really important statistic to note is about eight in 10 sexual assaults are committed by someone known to the victim. This could be a case of intimate partner violence, which is what we refer to as somebody who you're in a relationship with, your Mm -hmm. spouse, someone you live with, Mm -hmm. or acquaintance rape, which when we were growing up, it was date rape. Date rape, yeah. But people Mm -hmm. don't really date a lot anymore, so we call it something else that's more appropriate. Yeah. So after hearing all this, I just want to pause a minute, take a breath. It's important to note, and it cannot be stressed enough, that sexual assault is never, ever the victim's fault. It doesn't matter what the victim wore, whether or not they were drinking alcohol or using drugs, whether they had been flirting with the assailant earlier in the night, if they had kissed, if they had been intimate with the assailant in the past. None of these things give someone consent, nor do they make it acceptable for an assailant to attack a victim. None. Not now. Not ever. Please remember that. Remember that for yourself. Remember that when you hear stories in the media. Remember that moving forward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. How about we talk next about the impacts of sexual assault? We're going to go through the short-term impacts and Mm -hmm. the long-term impacts. So we'll start with short-term. Right. There can be many physical and psychological impacts immediately following an assault. It is important to remember that each survivor reacts to sexual violence in their own way. So the physical impacts, certainly there can be personal injuries. Mm -hmm. If you're a female, there's going to be concerns about pregnancy. Right. And then there are concerns about STIs or sexually transmitted infections, right? Mm -hmm. AIDS, gonorrhea, chlamydia, the list goes on and on there. Yep. Also, there are psychological and emotional impacts. Certainly, a lot of people feel guilt, shame, fear, numbness, shock, and then feelings of isolation. Right. And then third, there are economic impacts. I don't think people think about this one as much. Right. right? I don't think so either. But there are medical and other expenses along with things like time off from work. Yeah. So I'd like to share a little bit. The reason this topic is so important to me is I do have my own experience with sexual assault. Mm -hmm. I was sexually assaulted when I was a freshman in college. 
It was a regular Saturday night. It was probably less of a regular Saturday night because I was home in the dorms with my friends. We were watching a movie, just the girls hanging out in sweats, no makeup, no, you know, Mm -hmm. we weren't drinking. We were just eating pizza and watching a movie. And I got a call from a guy who I had been in a relationship with. We had had a falling out as 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds do. Yeah. Uh, Nothing important, whatever. And he called and he wanted to see me and wanted to talk. And he lived right upstairs in the dorms from me. And uh, I agreed to talk to him. But I had a gut feeling. And unfortunately, I didn't listen to my gut, Mm. you know. But I told my friends I was going up there. They knew that we had had this falling out and they didn't like him and they didn't want me to go. And I said, well, I want to hear him out. But if I'm not back in 15 minutes come get me. Mm -hmm. Because I just had an inkling. I don't know. Mm. Um, I went upstairs. I went into the room. It was dark. He shut the door behind me and locked it immediately. I'm not going to go into details because I don't think they're important. They're not good. I've heard the story. (laughs) It made made me cry. They're, yeah. Picturing it. I, um, I managed to bargain my way out of the situation just by saying to him, look, if you let me go downstairs right now, my friends are waiting for me. They're going to wonder where I am, what's taking so long. But if you let me go, give me like 20 minutes and you can come downstairs. And so he let me out and I went downstairs. My friends could tell, obviously, that something had happened. Mm -hmm. I was, I had marks on me. I was crying. I was visibly upset. Um, And so what I did is leave. Um, I called a friend who lived in a different dorm and a friend of mine took me over there right away so I could get out and it was good because the guy did come looking for me. Mm. Um, and I did have, you know, those those physical impacts, the, the injuries and everything. Um, I was in shock. I was terrified. Um, you know, I did have these psychological symptoms and I knew I needed some help once things calmed down. And Mm -hmm. so I reached out to the rape crisis center in the town where I went to school and they were very helpful. But I think because of when it happened in the school year, it happened in mid-April. I only had a month left of school. Mm. I had this support system built with my friends, with this rape crisis counselor, and then I had to go home for the summer. So, you know, I I was kind of ripped out of that network that I had built So that's why I had some of the long-term problems because I had Mm -hmm. started to deal and then I had to stop. Yeah. So long-term impacts, there can be so many that end up rippling through a victim's life for years to come and they often come without warning or even without knowledge. So we're going to discuss the physical and psychological impacts in a minute, but it should be noted that a CDC study found that individual victims of sexual violence incur over $120,000 in costs over a lifetime associated with lost wages and lost health, criminal justice, and property damage. Mm. And additional research shows that sexual violence can derail a person's education and employment, resulting in a $241,600 income loss over a lifetime. Wow. So that's a lot of money, and that's a lot of disruption to somebody's life. Yeah. A 2008 study warned that sexual assault and harassment often take a significant long-term toll on a victim's mental and physical health. 
increasing the risk not only for depression, anxiety, and PTSD, but also high blood pressure and sleep loss. Right. So during trauma, the body releases hormones that help a person cope with an emergency. We've talked about this hormone in regards to stress, but the body releases cortisol Mm -hmm. to avoid pain and inflammation, and it also raises our blood sugar to help us flee from danger. These physical responses can become long-lasting for many survivors of sexual assault and harassment contributing to poor health. Right, and sexual harassment and intimate partner violence in particular are considered chronic stressors because they both tend to be sustained over time, especially Mm -hmm. if you're going to the same workplace every day or you're living with this person. So both can cause victims to be in a state of hyper-alertness with that fight, flight, or freeze response. Yeah. So that same 2018 study found that sexual harassment was linked to significantly higher blood pressure and a 20% increase in heart disease risk among those not already taking blood pressure medication. And higher blood fat levels were also observed, as was poor sleep quality, that equated to a doubling of insomnia risk. And if you go back and listen to our our podcast on sleep that we did a few weeks ago, you hear about how insomnia can really impact your heart over time. Right, right. Add to this that a one-time sexual assault can produce long-term consequences as the survivor copes with intrusive memories that make her or him feel as if the enduring parts of the assault, you know, are happening over and over again. Right. Oh my gosh, I can imagine. I was in a car accident once, and it was Mm -hmm. my fault, but I totaled two cars. (laughs) And I remember for months... I was like, every time I drove, I got scared at intersections. Like I Mm -hmm. either didn't trust myself, like I missed something or because I had missed a stop sign. Right. That's how I got in the accident. So I kept thinking I'd missed something. And then I also didn't trust other drivers either. Right. Well, if that can, if I did that, other people can do it too. And you have no control over what they do. Right. So with something like this, I mean, that was just a car accident. So I can't even imagine like sexual violence or sexual assault like this I can see where you would relive that over and over again what if I did this what if I had done that instead would that have still could I have stopped it right Right, exactly right so you're reliving it kind of over and over again right and a reported one-time event can cause repeated trauma trauma during the event then re-traumatization during a physical exam, then talking about it over and over again with mm-hmm. police and lawyers during the process if you decide to pursue charges. Right. But even if not reported, trauma can continue if the situation is not dealt with somehow. Right. And I'll say in my case, I did not report it just because it was a very complicated process and I wasn't prepared to deal with all of that, which I've come to terms with, you know, whatever choice you make for yourself is is a good one, you Mm -hmm. know? So, but that's how these things kind of come back on you, you know? Even though going through a court battle might be upsetting, a lot of times it helps somebody move through and process everything. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have that, you can lead to other issues. Mm -hmm. So sexual assault victims saw their risk for major depression symptoms triple and their anxiety risk double as opposed to just regular Mm -hmm. people. Their risk for poor sleep quality and insomnia also doubled. I can see that. And Mm -hmm. as we've talked about 
on many different podcasts, depression increases the risk for heart disease, as does anxiety, and also poor sleep can increase the risk for heart attack, high blood pressure, and other heart health issues. So knowing that, we want to talk about help and support for Mm -hmm. victims. Mm -hmm. All right, so immediately following the assault, victims can choose to reach out to local law enforcement or for medical treatment. They may also choose to reach out for emotional support as well. In the Milwaukee area, Aurora Healthcare has a treatment program for victims that is integrated into our healthcare system. Survivors of sexual violence are welcome to reach out at any time during their journey, whether immediately following an assault or years later, via a 24-7 hotline or their text line. There are also several resources for survivors in the area that the Milwaukee Health Department has compiled on their website, and we will include the information for both of these in our show notes. Yes, because they're kind of long, so I want to make sure that we get that all in there. The second thing I'm going to mention is something that was particularly important for me. I mentioned it a little bit already, is therapy and support. So finding a trusted therapist can be so helpful for working through the many emotions following an assault or harassment. In addition to providing talk therapy and also teaching, you know, healthy coping strategies because mm-hmm. we don't you don't want to fall into a pattern of unhealthy ones. Right. They may also steer you toward joining a support group or a discussion group with others who've had similar experiences, which can also be very helpful. And in addition to that, just finding people in your own, you know, network of friends and family and loved ones who you feel you can trust, who you can go to with these issues so that you have somebody who really knows you who's also on your side and can be there if you need them that's also so very important and it may not be the person you might think Hmm. so i'm just going to put that out there okay the third type of help for victims is health maintenance regular physician visits for women should include screening for sexual harassment and sexual assault as significant risk factors in the same way they are screened for depression and smoking. Right. And you said should. Should. Which means it's not necessarily something your doctor will bring up. Right. But, you know, we've talked about advocating for yourself and mentioning that to your doctor just might be enough to put in your notes that, okay, this happened. We need to be on the lookout for some of these other things as years go by. Yes. So just to wrap up for the day, obviously, this was a tough conversation, Mm -hmm. but it's one that needs to be had because sexual assault just continues to be so pervasive in this country, across the world, all of this. But when we have these frank and open discussions and we're honest about what happens, what's going on out there, what the effects are long-term, short-term of this are, we can hopefully shed some light on why this happens and how we can change our approach and who we address about these problems so that hopefully someday we don't have to worry about them anymore. Yes. Thank you for that, Bethany. Again, I know this was a hard discussion to have, but thank you so much for listening today, everyone. And as we always say, be the ruler of your own heart. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on Queen of Hearts podcast. 
Our podcast is recorded here at Women's Cardiac Awareness Center inside Aurora St. Louis Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more heart-healthy tips, recipes, and more, visit our website at www.darrenyachtcenter.org. Like us on Facebook at Center and follow us on t- If you like what you hear, so and be sure to tell us. Until next time, be ruler of your own heart.